My name is Trip Foreman, and in this episode of SME VC, I sat down with Isaac Matzner and Daniel Pizarro, co-founders of Teddy. This episode is particularly special because I had the privilege of investing in Teddy's pre-seed round. Sao Paulo-based Teddy provides benefits and insurance to independent workers because they believe the traditional employer-based benefits scheme is antiquated and doesn't work for the new economy. In this episode of SME VC, we discuss the importance of focusing on underserved markets, living in Sao Paulo versus Rio, their experiences in the NCIAD MBA program and what sets it apart, as well as why most people think insurance doesn't work in Latin America, but why it absolutely does. We discussed all this and more in this episode of SMEA VC. Okay, Isaac, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role founding Teddy? Sure. So first of all, Trip, thanks for having us on. We're really excited to be doing this. And I know this is the first time you're doing two co-founders together. So hopefully uh, Daniel and I don't disappoint. Um, so despite us being based in Brazil, you can obviously hear my accent. I'm American. I grew up in Albany. Um, I actually had a, a bit of an odd trajectory, uh, although I think it makes sense in my mind. So I went to McGill and graduated with a degree in international development. Spent some time in Cape Town, uh, University of Cape Town in college, had traveled to the youth exchange in Finland before that. And so always had this international vision. Uh, and so I ended up actually starting my career at the World Bank doing what was called performance there. Uh, spent two years in what their JPA program, Junior Professional Associate from 2006 to 2008. Uh, then I went and worked in finance in New York uh, at a small brokerage firm called Arbach Grayson doing emerging market equities. Uh, they traded stocks in 120, or they allowed investors to trade stocks in 128 markets around the world, which was super cool. Uh, John and, and David are super inspiring people, uh, but realized that I didn't want to do equity sales. So I did my MBA, which is where Daniel and I met at INSEAD. Uh, after that, I went into consulting. I was recruited by Bain & Company for their Rio de Janeiro office, uh, spent about two years there, and then joined a boutique focused on fintech and payments called Core Fusion. And so I was a partner there for about six years, covering projects all over the world. Um, dating back to my international development days, always really liked kind of financial inclusion, financial access. Um, that's always what, what made most sense to me in development. And so that's where my career went. And kind of, uh, I think we'll get into what we're doing here at Teddy and, and, and part of the inspiration for what we're doing here and why Daniel and I joined forces. Absolutely. Love it. Daniel, I'm going to throw that same question at you. Could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Teddy? Sure. Again, thanks a lot, Trip, for having us. Uh, it's really a pleasure to share our vision here for Teddy. Uh, as you can notice from my accent, I'm, I'm Brazilian. Uh, although I've been most of my life abroad as well, I'm a computer engineer. I'm not the tech guy on the team, so we have a third co-founder who is not uh, here with us today. Uh, my career has been uh, after uh, I graduated in computer engineering in Portugal, I, then I went to work for banking in in, in Amsterdam, in, in the Netherlands, I worked for ING Bank, always in, in transformation uh, operations type of roles, um, covering at that time banking and insurance. Uh, after a while, I realized that with my tech background, I would need a, a business uh, education as well to, to continue my career. So I decided to go for an MBA at INSAT. Uh, I actually started in Singapore and Isaac started in, in France. Uh, he's married to a Brazilian lady and we, we became quite close as a, as a community, Brazilian community on the MBA. And we have been friends since then. And since that time, my idea was to actually uh, start something on my own. So I, I went to, to inside with the plan of finding a, a great idea and finding a, 
co-founder and, and start my own business. But soon I, I realized that that was not going to be that easy in 2013. And also I couldn't resist the recruitment uh, process of the MBA. It's quite active. All the companies coming to you, you suddenly become uh, uh, so important. And I ended up uh, moving to Switzerland to, to, to be based in Zurich and work for Zurich Insurance. They had a small team doing projects across the globe, always in insurance, of course, but different topics from M&A to, to operational, to strategy, a, a lot of different things. So I spent a couple of years there. Then I moved with Zurich to Brazil. I, became the, the, I was leading the transformation team for Zurich in Brazil. Um, and and uh, I spent three years, uh, we delivered what we had to deliver. My career was being geared again uh, internationally. And I decided to stay in Brazil. I moved to another company called HDI. It's also a German insurance carrier. There I had more of an innovation role. I was uh, investing. So we had a small corporate venture capital fund. We were kind of bringing, in, bringing uh, inside startups to solve specific problems uh, for the company. Super interesting, but with the pandemics, their ambition kind of reduced a little bit. And Isaac was moving down here, perfect moment. We started uh, talking and we, we decided together to, to jump on, on this idea and on Teddy. We've been together since a uh, couple of months already. There we go. You both mentioned the NSAT MBA. I want to get to that later in the podcast. But first, mm. could you tell the audience more about what problem Teddy solves and how you guys solve it better than anybody else? Sure. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great question. So uh, our, our, our thesis is that the work is changing. So the, 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 the way people uh, earn their income is, is, is changing. So people are moving from a formal uh, employment to a, a more independent employment, be it because they want, they want more flexibility, they want more freedom, uh, they want to control better their times, or also because the, the, the economy itself is, is forcing them into into this new uh, way of working. And what we are doing is we are creating the infrastructure or the, the foundation to allow the future of work. And uh, how we're gonna do that is to uh, bring benefits and provide benefits to people who are uh, working independently. Uh, I had a friend, for instance, who uh, told me, I would love to do something like you are doing, like entrepreneurship, to start something on my own or to, be a freelancer or so on, but I don't do that because I'm afraid of losing my benefits. And then we realized it should not be a, a determinant or it should not be a barrier for people to to, to explore their life dreams, uh, the fact that they don't have benefits. So that, that's the problem we are solving. It's to bring benefits to independent workers. And I'll just chime in there, Trip. So I'm from, from Albany, which is a government town. Uh, and I got lots of friends that work for the county, work for the state. Um, you know, like Daniel said, work work is changing. And I, I remember when I graduated from college, my dad said, hey, Isaac, you should look at jobs at the state. They offer great benefits and you can retire in 30 years. And I said, Dad, I'm, I'm 22. I shouldn't be thinking about that yet. And so, you know, Teddy is my fifth job. And, you know, at all my other jobs, I had benefits, but, you know, I'm, I'm just about 40 and it's already my fifth job. And so this idea of benefits and having protections and being able to be entrepreneurial. We talk a lot about pe people being able to be entrepreneurial, but we don't have the infrastructure in place, like Daniel said. And so I think a lot of people think about independent workers, they think about gig workers, and obviously we're focused on that, but also all the other types of independent workers, people that are doing consulting on their own, people that are starting their own businesses, doing all this different stuff, need to feel uh, a bit more protection in, in what they're doing. 
So if you were to give two or three sentences, bullet point, what does Teddy do? Yeah, so we provide benefits and insurance to independent workers. I love it. So what's a problem you've had to solve since founding Teddy and how did you solve it? Great. So, um, you know, we've been really lucky. We haven't had any, any major problems. Um, you know, Daniel and I started out with this idea. We, we brought on a great third co-founder, CTO. He's a second time founder, um, built a banking as a service company previously. Uh, we're building a, a really great team here. Um, but, you know, you encounter problems along the way, right? Nothing is, is perfect. And in some senses, being maybe sometimes more death by a thousand cuts than one big thing that, that, that ruins everything. And so one of the problems that we ran into was when we set up the, the company. Um, so we set up actually um, what's called the Cayman Sandwich. So we have a, a Cayman Island entity, uh, a US Delaware company LLC, and then we have the entity in Brazil. And in Brazil, you need to, to register your company for what it's gonna do. And the company definitions are a little bit vague. And so we're working with an insurance partner and they recommended initially that we use one uh, one type of setting. Uh, and then we later found out that that wasn't the right uh, company entity that we should be registered as. And so we had to go back and do that. And so luckily we have good partners, we have great lawyers, uh, they allowed us to work through it, but it, you know, it set us back four or five weeks because we couldn't move forward in signing contracts because we weren't listed as the right type of entity. And so I think that, you know, I, I know we went through some questions that we want to ask before and we'll get into some more advice, but kind of paying attention to all the little things is, uh, is something like that, that you need to pay attention to and just being aware that there's always going to be hiccups along the way. Interesting. I want to talk more about Sao Paulo as a tech city. What are your thoughts and experiences as Sao Paulo as both a home and a tech city? Awesome. I think maybe both of us can, can chime in here, but um, as a gringo living in Sao Paulo, I can say um, I, I really like it. So uh, like I said, I was recruited by Bain after my MBA and lived in Rio. And there's, there's a bit of a rivalry of Boston, New York, or, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia, or whatever type rivalry between um, Sao Paulo and, and Rio. And, and Rio is obviously beautiful and stunning. Sao Paulo is not terribly inviting. But when you get into Sao Paulo, it's really awesome. Great food, great culture, great people. Um, and so, you know, from a personal perspective, really, really loving the life here. From a tech perspective, also, it's the center of where things are happening in Latin America these days. And I think what you're seeing is um, moving on to the second or maybe even third generation, depending on what you want to consider the first, of founders. And so you're getting a, a really robust and really rich um, community of, of founders and builders, of angels, of investors, of advisors, of supporters here um, that's really making Sao Paulo a, a great city to be an entrepreneur in. Not sure, Daniel, if there's anything you want to yeah. add there. No, sure. Uh, and uh, just as an anecdote, so I, I used to live in Zurich, in Switzerland, and I like to, 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 to tell my friends that one year in Sao Paulo is equal to three years in, in Switzerland in terms of things happening, activities, events, uh, gatherings and, and, and all, all kinds of things. So we actually need to police ourselves to, to not spend all our time going to events, conferences and, and things that is happening this year. I think there are certainly many juxtapositions between Zurich and Sao Paulo. And I think we would fill a whole yeah. podcast episode with that. But I want to ask both of you guys, what are you most excited about right now? So uh, I think what we're most excited is that we are very close to launch our our product, our first pilot. So we are finalizing agreements with, with partners and we are 
uh, you know, gearing up to to deliver the, our, our first pilot. So that that's what makes us super exciting, excited. And on broader terms, I think what makes me super excited, and I'm sure Isaac as well, is to be able to uh, have a vision, sell that vision to partners, investors, employees, and and so on. And, and gather this team and support network to deliver on that vision. That that kind of makes me wake up every morning excited to to do what we're doing. I think that's a, a big thing for us. Yeah, I'll second both things that Daniel mentioned. One, you know, obviously getting a product into the hands of the users. We've we've been thinking about it, and so now we get to see what it is, and we know that they're going to have feedback that we didn't expect, and it's going to just be really exciting to to iterate on that and, and build something that's of value. Um, but like Daniel said, we've, we've got a really great network of people, um, you know, ex-colleagues, ex-clients, um, really exciting founders here in the community, um, really great funds behind us. You know, we only did a small angel round, but, but even had some micro funds come in and just really excited about the people that believe in our vision and want to build this with us. And um, I was just texting before this, this call with uh, one of my friends who is a CEO of another company about, hey, do you have any frameworks for this or that? And it's, you know, people get back to you right away and it's, it's really exciting to be in that environment. Ties back into your question about why is Sao Paulo great? Um, just, just a really great network here and we're lucky to be part of it. You're excited who's bought into your vision. So I'll take that as a compliment, Isaac, as, I'll, as I would have uh, introduced to the audience that I was an investor in your pre-seed round and I'll, I'll say that in the intro. Um, but what would you tell Americans seeking to found a company in Brazil? Sure. And I think Daniel's going to have some some opinions on this as well, because he also lived abroad and came back. I think that there's two sides to that. Um, so so obviously there's there is a language issue to working in Brazil. Um, it's not a place where everybody speaks English, although in Sao Paulo, most people do um, do have that. But I think that coming from abroad, coming from the U.S., it, it's a much more competitive market. A lot of problems people are trying to solve them already. Um you know, it's earlier here in that venture game in Latin America. And so there's um, there's more opportunity. I'd say there's there's also some more challenges. And so that creates more opportunity um, because of the history of the place, because of the way it developed, because of the state banks, because of all these different things. And you have really exciting things happening. The regulators here that, you know, I've heard people talk about that the Central Bank of Brazil is maybe the, the most innovative fintech in the world, um, despite it being the central bank with picks and everything else that they're doing. So I think that on one side, there's really great perspective that you can bring from looking from outside. But I think that there's other things that you have to be aware of, like we talked about with our Kinai, which is the, the how our, our company is registered um, and what we do that you have to be aware of. There is bureaucracy. There are roadblocks. There are things that you don't expect that you wouldn't have had to do in the States or in, in Europe that you're going to have to deal with here. Um, and sometimes those create challenges and sometimes those will create moats. And so finding your way to navigate that, I think, is um, is something to be aware of as, as you start your adventure here. Yeah, uh, just to add to that, I think people like to say that Brazil is not for beginners. Uh, that's a, a common saying here. It's it's complicated, it's bureaucratic. So you, you waste time with things that you probably are not going to be wasting your time in the U.S. Uh, you have a, a fierce competition for talent here. So I think in the U.S. you have more availability of talent, I, I would assume also international talent, everyone wants to go to the US. So here is, it's a little bit more, more, more challenging on, on that respect. Uh, however, I see some similarities as well. I think Brazil is a huge market like the, the US. So it's uh, when you start something here, you have a long way to go to explore the entire market. It's not like 
to starting in a smaller Latin American country that you soon need to look outside. So, uh, and I think one aspect that makes it really nice to, to start something here is, is, the, are the, is the people. So everyone is, as Isaac was saying, super friendly, super open, super uh, uh, available to, to, to help and, and to discuss in all kinds of aspects. Uh, there are no secrets, no, no competition, even if you are on the same sector. So one of our angels is uh, an issue tech here. So we, we are playing in the same space. So it's uh, on that on that aspect makes it super enjoyable to to start something here. I love it. You both mentioned your inside MBAs in your intro answer. I want to know all about your experience in the program and then about the little things because people know there's different campuses. How Latin American focused is it, and how entrepreneurial focused is it? Cool. Uh, I will I will start, but Isaac can can chime in as well. So my experience was amazing. So it, uh, I, as I said, INSEAD has three campuses right now. When we studied, they had two, uh, Singapore and, and Fontainebleau, uh, a city close to Paris. Now they have Abu Dhabi as well. Um, and of course, online programs and, and, and so on. For me, uh, I think the, the experience is, is uh, the, the most relevant statistics that I like to, to, to present how, how amazing my experience was, was the number of weddings. That I've, that I've attended after the, the program. So I've been to 21 weddings of colleagues uh, and friends uh, all over the world. And that, that shows you uh, how diverse, how uh, inclusive, how, how, uh, how of a community experience uh, in Seattle was. I think uh, that was uh, incredible. Also the, the opportunity to discuss certain topics with people from all over the world. I mean, Seattle has a, has a very strong diversity, and sometimes you are discussing, I don't know, political issues or uh, business issues with people from uh, completely different uh, paths of life. Like uh, you have an Israeli discussing with an Arab about the political situation. That that makes it very enriching and and, and kind of uh, great. And also, of course, the the, the door the, the open doors and and the opportunities that it. it brings so it, for me it was was an amazing experience i don't know if isaac wants to add some yeah i i do want to i want to put some context on daniel's uh statistic there because uh, i actually want to point out INSEAD has an older uh cohort of students generally and which is one of the reasons i i chose to go there i was a little bit older when i did my mba a lot of mbas in the states are kind of two to four years experience and i had i think six or seven so i, I started at 29 um, and I went with my wife. So a lot of people go married. And it's not that marriages are breaking up at INSEAD. It's just that the, the people that do meet there, um, you build really strong relationships. So, so I would actually ground Daniel's 21 and say that it would actually be higher statistically at another MBA where uh, people are younger. Um, but I think, you know, the big thing about any MBA is, you know, I, I think the material is going to be pretty similar. Uh, obviously, you get great professors. Um, but it's about the colleagues that you're working with and the network that it opens up and, you know, lifelong friends, obviously, from the program, but also opening up doors, especially in other places. And you asked about kind of the network in Latin America. Um, and it is a place where you you really do get some opportunities in Latin America and everywhere in the world. So I went to an INSEAD dinner one time in Adelaide, Australia. I was there for work and um, just randomly you know, it was INSEAD day, which is like once a year, they do an anniversary, I was there for that and found people on the alumni database that were based in Adelaide. And so we went out for dinner, like five of us. Um, a lot of business schools won't, won't give you that. 
And so INSEAD with its global focus. So, I mean, if you want to go work in finance in New York, probably not the right school for you. But if you want to do international strategy, you want to work for a multinational, um, it's really going to open doors in, in different ways that um, that some of the other schools. And, you know, the other thing about it is it tends to be self-selective, right? So I had to, I had to learn Portuguese to go. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's a really great program for people considering MBAs. I don't know how many of your listeners are, are young and considering that it definitely depending on what you're looking for, it's, it's a unique program. Very interesting. Thanks for that context. I want to go to our final question and I'll ask this separately to both of you. So Isaac, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question with uniquely Samia BC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? Well, you, you prefaced for this question um, and we, we gave it some thought and, and I think it's, it's core to our thesis here at Teddy. And it's something that I've, I've believed for a long time and, and I told you kind of where I studied and how I grew up um, and, and the work that I did focused on international development, focused on financial access. And I think that, you know, independent workers, there's, there's a perception, um, a lot of the market tends to focus, especially for financial products on class A, on wealthier folks, on more well-to-do people and on serving their needs. And I think in Latin America and in Brazil in particular, there is a, a large percent of the population that gets dismissed and doesn't get looked at because they don't have buying power or they don't have uh, as much buying power as, as some of the other folks. But actually, uh, these people lead really, really rich financial lives. We just don't pay as much attention to them. And so I think at Teddy, what we're trying to do is, is cater into that and find products that are relevant to these people, um, you know, insurance and, and other benefits that are going to help these people build financial resilience. Um, and I think that that my focus is on or my answer to your question rather would be that um, there's a large opportunity even below kind of class A for right-sized financial products. Daniel, I'm going to throw that same question at you and I'm going to ask it again. I have to ask Peter Till's famous contrarian question with uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? Cool. I'll answer with a uniquely Teddy twist as well. So insurance related. So uh, people tend to believe that insurance as, as a business model does not work in Latin America because of low penetration, because people don't think long-term or people are not concerned of, of protecting themselves. Uh, and I completely disagree with that. I think insurance uh, has a low penetration in Latin America right now because products are not right-sized. They're not understood, they're complex and difficult. And also because the insurance companies, they do not provide a, an easy service or easy to deal with uh, service. So I think uh, what we're betting here is that with this shift of work, insurance will become more and more relevant and, and, and as a tool to protect people uh, in Latin America in the long run. Amazing answers, amazing dual interview. As Isaac said, first on SME VC. Thank you, Isaac, Daniel, for your time today. I very much appreciate you coming on SME VC. Thank you, Trip. Uh, our pleasure. Uh, our, our first podcast as well. So it was a really great experience talking to you. And uh, if anyone from, from your listeners want to know more about Teddy, about us, tell them to, to reach out. We are going to be very happy to, to talk to anyone. Yeah, thanks so much, Trip. I, I started talking on mute and then Daniel let in. But uh, like he said, our, our first podcast together as well. And so really excited. Uh, really great questions. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. 
Thank you for watching this episode of Sami VC. My name is Trip Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.